Hello and welcome to Publishing Insight, an interview podcast about working in publishing. Welcome to episode 13 of Publishing Insight. I'm Flavia, your host, and for this episode, I went to Oxford University Press to interview Anna Scully, assistant designer. Anna told me about the main tasks and responsibilities of a text designer and the differences with working on book covers instead. We also discussed the challenges of an extremely interesting book design with a walking camel in the running gather and the importance of maths and science for design. Happy listening. If you are enjoying listening to Publishing Inside, please subscribe and leave a review. In the next episode, I will interview an HR professional and would like to ask them some of your questions about CVs, cover letters, job interviews, and the publishing recruiting process in general. So if there's anything you would like me to ask, you can tweet me at flamflam91, F-L-A-M, F-L-A-M 91, using the hashtag AskPublishingInside, or write me an email to the address in the episode's notes. episode of Publishing Inside. Uh, today I am at OUP, Oxford University Press, to talk about design with Anna Scully, assistant designer. And thank you very much for your time and agreeing to being on my podcast. <laughs> no problem. So my first question is, what does a typical day as an assistant designer at Oxford University Press look like and what are your main tasks and responsibilities? Well, I start my day at nine normally. I commute in from Reading, um, so nine is kind of decent start time. Um, first kind of things I do in the day is answer emails. They tend to come in a lot of them overnight because we work with a lot of suppliers and typesetters in India. So for them, our night is their working hours, so we'll get things that kind of stack up. Um, so I normally go through my emails and set up my system for the morning, so log into our font library, open InDesign, get the servers running, that kind of thing. Um, then normally I'll check what I've got coming in this week, so I'll have like a set of deadlines for the week and I'll just start working towards whichever one needs to be done first, or it's kind of the thing of the day that I need to do and try and get to any queries normally in the afternoon so if someone's emailing me in the morning asking me for something try and get back to them that afternoon and take a look at what it is they're talking about um, if I've got uh, final files to upload or something I tend to do that in the morning uh, though so things are a little bit faster get a bit of a speedier system or just get it out the way over and done with like that project's done now it's off the list perfect thank you and what has been your academic and career path and how have your previous experiences been helpful to your current position 
I did A-levels at a college um, in design, English, media studies and art. Um, and I went straight to university from college, so I didn't do an art foundation year um, at the University of Reading, where I did uh, the graphic communications course. And that's really heavily kind of type focused, text design focused, um, a lot of editorial influence as well as your more typical graphical branding and posters and, and things like that. So it kind of fed in quite well into lots of different avenues, but by my kind of halfway through my second year, I kind of knew it was books for me. Um, and I considered doing a master's in book design but decided that it had been a, you know, a heavy three years of education and it was time for leaving, I felt, education, at least for now. Um, so I applied for, for loads of jobs in book design and just hoped for the best. And um, I then when I saw the opening here, I knew it was going to be a good fit for me. So I applied here and was fortunate enough to be hired for the job um, without doing... A master's which would kind of be again perhaps a more traditional art approach to do a levels foundation degree ma and have like an extra two years behind you um i do consider maybe i'd do my master's later on in my life um and carry on with education then but i needed to kind of step away from very heavy design education yeah. for a little while and, yeah. and kind of experience what design was for mm -hmm. me. Definitely. And for those of our listeners that don't really know what a text designer does, what is the kind of work that you do on the text um, for the books? Well, it's very much based in getting them to be easy to read and feel accessible and also try and make a page extent target. So it comes back down to things like you know, people don't necessarily want to read a book with a 50-inch spine, 50-centimetre spine, you know, that's a big book. That would be split into two books, maybe, if it's going to be huge. Mm -hmm. But um, it's kind of part of my job to try and keep them within what they've set as roughly what they're aiming for. So if they want, you know, if it's a really big HE law book, but they want it to appeal to students, it needs to kind of not be looking too heavy. So I'll pick the typefaces, the spacing, the margins to try and increase the extent. Always within limit, though, there's a lot of things about legibility that have to be taken into consideration. So I have to try and pick out heading levels so that that's really clear. So it's distinguished. This is the first level, second level, third level. The body text has to be as clear as possible always. Um, we've got certain text designs based on a lot of rules, so no more than 13 words in a text measure because that's quite bad for so if your average is sort of 20 you're going to have problems with people going back to the start of the line they've already read which is called a full saccade where they'll get to the end and go back and it's too long so they've gone back to the start of what they've read so it's things like monitoring that and sometimes if you're trying to make an extent target and balance that it can be a bit difficult like trying to make sure it's clear but also making that kind of oh we only want it to be 500 pages kind of gone from editorial Perfect, thank you. And how many books do you generally work on at the same time? And how do you collaborate with other departments at OUP or with others to develop design ideas? In terms of text design, I normally handle about often between 
20 to 40, it can be a bit of a big range depending on kind of the season. Several gone all the way up to 40, but I think the current number's over 30. Um, and I also work on some covers, which I'll have about, you know, often roughly 20 or under, um, just because that's not my main focus, only assist where needed. Um, we aim to collaborate wherever possible. A lot of it happens with the editor, who's kind of briefed you, um, because they've got kind of the grips of the book, the relationship with the author, the market knowledge, so they'll know what they need from you. Um, so it's a lot of kind of uh, conversation with them to make sure that you're getting, you know, what you really need to do from it and making sure that you're going to get that, mar you know, the market look that they need or the special element that needs to have special consideration taken care of. Um, often with text design we try to integrate the cover so that the overall product feels like one thing. Um, so often we'll chat with the cover designer if we know that it's already been done, uh, like a, you know, what typeface is that you've used, uh, this colour, do you think that will work, do you think it matches this Pantone, if it's going to be two colour and the cover's four colour, that can be a bit, you know, difficult, but wherever possible we try and make sure that the two marry up. And so we communicate a lot with whoever the cover designer is. Uh, we've also got a picture research team who tend to do quite a lot of our image finding um, and permissions clearance. So if you're doing cover work, we'll often collaborate with them if needed to help us get together an image selection or to investigate permissions into that image the author just has to have on the cover, you know. Yeah. Really like this art piece, can we can we have it, can we get it from somewhere, kind yeah. of thing. And you mentioned also cover designers. Um, what are the main differences in working on the text and in, um, working on a cover? The cover is always the kind of advertisement for the book. So you, they're all like mini billboard adverts. They've got to appeal, they've got to grab people in. They're what often what kind of make people buy the book or interested in the book or just in, just engage um, and for some of them it's just giving them the identity even if it's not you know even if it's something that's very specific science and the people who are going to buy it are all going to buy it because they're interested in that very specific science and it it doesn't necessarily need a cover for marketing purposes but you're still giving them a product so it's about making that feel like a like an OUP book, like a like an academic thing that's worth having and owning as a physical copy. Um, so the cover design's quite a lot more based in breaking rules and kind of you know being a bit more very focused on the impact that it makes. So whereas in the text design we have to base a lot of it in the rules of legibility and printing and you know, can't do some things that would sacrifice your extent or your legibility or your, um, or things like getting it through the typesetting efficiently, um, where for the cover it's all about that initial impact. Yeah, that's really interesting. Thank you. And what is your favourite project you have worked on at UP? I think it would be... The Successful Law Student, uh, the more Newbury Jones title that I've done. Um, 
because I had to make a camel walk <laughs> in a flipbook animation. I mean, that's not something I ever thought I'd have to yeah. do. Um, and it was a great idea from the editor to have it. It's all based on this quote about law that, that features really heavily in the book. Um, and it's one where I work quite closely with the cover designer on it so that the whole thing really matches. So the green's really similar in the cover and the inside, even though the inside's a Pantone, so it's not exact. But they are a close match. It's got the camel going all the way through it. The typefaces that are used on the cover are used all the way through the inside. So it really feels like a kind of a special product and like a... Because for HE it's more of an open market, you know, not a reading this book, a, if you're interested in this, consider this sort of book. It was very much based on that, that draw and that, you know, yeah. this is going to be fun looking and it's going to make you excited about law yeah. and excited about studying law. So it's really vibrant and it's got some elements in it that we wouldn't necessarily have done before, though, now that I've animated a walking camel. It's yeah, one yeah. of those things where it's like, do you think we could do <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really a beautiful object. I saw it and like this camel that is in the running gather is just amazing. It took a lot of maths to get that to work. Yeah, um, yeah, I wish I could actually show it, but unfortunately, uh, <laughs> in a podcast we can't. But I really urge our listeners to look for it in a bookstore because it's really amazing. And what were the challenges of this project? The main thing was getting the camel animation loop to work. Because we send it out to typesetting, we the initial idea was to have it walk all the way in and then back out over the course of the entire book. But until we have it actually done through the typesetter, we only have an estimate of how many pages that's going to be. So I can't calculate the amount that it needs to move for a smooth animation without the exact amount of pages. And it wasn't going to... It's going to take a lot to get that to work without knowing that. Um, so in the end, I had to kind of put a lot of brain work into it. And it was one of those middle-of-the-night epiphanies of like, oh, I'll do it this way. <laughs> so I couldn't know how many pages the whole book would be, and I couldn't know how many pages any section of the book would be, but I could know the minimum page estimate for each part or chapter kind of area. Mm. So I got the minimum estimate and divided that in two and then took off a little bit just in case it came out lower in the in the final typesetting and that gave me the amount of pages I had to get the camel to move so I set like an upper limit of this amount of movement and gave them like each of the camels it's the most insane thing I've ever written it's like this is the standard camel all loops start with this camel this camel is not to be used at the end of the loop and all things like that so I got it so he'd walk in for a certain amount of pages sit for the middle amount, get back up and walk out for the last amount. <clears throat> Which meant I could specify that he moved exactly 10 point in one direction every time. So instead of the typesetters having to work any of that out or base it too heavily on the actual extent, it was just a case of them applying kind of the basic equation instead of... Yeah, and um, I think that's really interesting also because I guess people that don't work in design from the outside. Maybe they think that it's all about creativity, but there's also a lot of math in it from what you are saying, and especially when 
you are working with type standards that are not in the UK, then you have to be extremely precise and about the equation and everything to make everything work. So that's really interesting and fascinating. Yeah, there's a a lot of design is very creative and very artistic, but there's also a lot of maths and science involved. I mean, when we set up a page, we've got a type size and a leading that works, but that leading value will then make the space for the whole grid. So, you know, if you've got 10 on 13, you've got a 13 point grid. So your headings need increments of 13 ahead and above and below to make the space balance and work and adhere to the baseline so that you end up with a balanced page at the bottom instead of like a, a weird line that doesn't kind of line up. So it's all, you know, you've got 13, that means you've got six and a half to go underneath some headings and one, and if you're doing it in Pica, it's one Pica one for 13, so it's that above for quite a big space or two or three for a main heading. It all has to base on kind of your underlying maths that you have to do as you start a document yeah. setup. Definitely. And what advice would you give to people who are applying for entry-level positions as designers in publishing? Apply for kind of anything you see. If it's a design job in publishing, they're not super common. Most places have an in-house team, but that might not be a huge amount of people. Um, you know, we're only 15, but an entry-level positions are, again, not the most common of things. So if you see a job in publishing for design that's entry-level, I'd say just go for it and don't be too put off by... They'll always ask for experience, but if you think that you've got a portfolio that can demonstrate that you can do it and you believe that you can do it like even if it says all years experience in book design would be beneficial or preferable apply anyway you never know and there's kind of no harm in applying even if you think it's punching above your weight a little bit there's the only thing that can happen is you get a decline and Mm -hmm. that's fine you just pick yourself up and and on to the next one and which are the most important skills to develop It depends on what area of books you're kind of looking at. If it's the cover, it goes back to that impact mini billboard. You know, you've got to learn the market and keep an eye on market trends in any part of design. I think that's true. Even if you're your marketing designer, branding designer, you need to know what's happening out there because... In design, essentially, what you're doing is you're getting your product to compete... And if, you know, sometimes breaking the mould of what's commonplace in the market is the way to do that. Sometimes it's hitting a trend. I think the awareness of it is very important. Um, If it's text design, having that background knowledge of how to make text legible and the kind of correct or, you know, quote-unquote correct way of doing things um, in terms of setting up a grid and you know there's things that are kind of quite standard and quite set for text design so it's useful to at least know them even if you end up breaking it for a particular design and it's not going to work and you need it to be you know perhaps more loose if you know what your 
breaking and know why you're breaking it, you'll still end up with something that's successful instead of something that's difficult to read and not going to work. Yeah, and the softwares you use the most are in design or Illustrator. Are there any others? Mostly in design. Illustrator I use a lot for icons in text and HE. They're like an icon call out to relate to. So like case study law is quite, you know, put something with that to kind of call out that there's a separate bit of text. Um, so we use Illustrator a lot for that. Photoshop is very useful um, for obviously image editing. Um, it's mostly those three. But to be honest, one of the big ones is um, Adobe Acrobat PDF yeah. Viewer because uh, that's how we mark up a lot of comments to send back to typesetters or to send out. So we use that one quite a lot. Yeah, perfect. And talking about trends, which are the most interesting trends in book design at the moment? There's been a big step towards having physical books be more special, um, which kind of makes a lot of sense because ebooks can be kind of the easier avenue. So a print book is more of a special item to own now. Um, and that's something that a lot of publishers have taken a step towards, sort of a higher production value. Um, but also in that there's quite a lot more things that are abstract going on, so quite a lot more pattern work, a lot of Penguin's new classics of pattern work, or the red and black ones that they did through Vintage um, were very popular, and that kind of minimalism has been a really big thing because it catches people's eye and it's something a bit different to, if you think about what sort of 70s sci-fi novels, they all look like someone's just gone, we can get as much on this as possible, you know, airbrush it, put this on it, loads of type, loads of, like, really loud, so it's kind of become that more gentle, impactful, minimalist kind of view, which is, I really like it, it's a nice kind of movement um there's also in terms of text there's quite a lot of steps towards more things kind of being more legible for more people um text design is a little bit more immune to trends i guess um unless it's sort of a very involved he titles things like in 2007 when the iPhone was new and it had metallic icons, everything was metallic icons. <laughs> the gradients were endless, but now that's kind of gone and it's all back to flat colour. Um, but in terms of the basic text design, the classic text design and actual body text, that's quite immune to trend because it's more based in, in science and what people need to read something effectively. Yeah, definitely. And last question, what are you currently reading and what has been your favourite book of the year so far? I'm currently reading Tennessee Williams' Glass Menagerie. Um, I love reading his plays, I think they're brilliant. Um, book of the year so far, that's tricky. <laughs> I am really enjoying The Glass Menagerie right now, so I think I might say that one. But yeah, it's... um almost difficult to find the time sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, the 
Tennessee Williams plays are great short little reads and they really come to life. Perfect. So that was, was my last question. Thanks a lot for your time and your insight. It was a real pleasure. all for episode 13 of Publishing Inside. I hope you have enjoyed listening to it and found it useful. If so, please subscribe and recommend it to other people you think may be interested. Don't forget that in the next episode, I will interview an HR professional and would like to ask them some of your questions about CVs, cover letters, job interviews, and the publishing recruiting process at large. If there's anything you'd like me to ask, please tweet me at flamflam91, FLAM, FLAM91, using the hashtag AskPublishingInsight, or write me an email to the address in the episode's notes. Have a nice day and I'll see you in the next episode.